Mark Levine, and welcome to On The Mark. Let's take a trip back in time. I was thinking just the other day how far we have come. In the early 1950s through the 70s, we didn't have remote controls, personal computers, mobile phones, etc. We had a black and white TV in the 50s. Color TVs were still in development at that time, but not ready for commercial distribution. We would watch TV on a nine-inch round screen, which was housed in a cabinet. No remote control. You'd have to get off the couch to adjust the volume, change the station to watch one of two channels available at the time, and there was a knob for horizontal control. This was so the TV screen would not flip. You had to set it just right, to watch your program. You may have heard the term rabbit ears. Well, this refers to an antenna on top of the TV set. It had two collapsing antenna on a base. This connected to the back of the TV set. To get a clear picture, you would have to move the antenna until the picture was as clear as it could possibly be. When all else failed, wrapping aluminum foil around the antennae would normally work. And back in the day, if your TV set wasn't working, you could call the TV repairman. He would replace the vacuum tubes in the back of the TV and charge us like $25. It wasn't until 1963 we finally bought our first color TV. Our favorite shows burst into our living room in color like never before. We would watch Bonanza. We could watch Ed Sullivan. We could watch all those shows in color, which we were never able to do before. And back in the 60s, we had a hi-fi phonograph encased in a huge cabinet with huge speakers. We used 33 and a third vinyl records. And I would sing with Tony Bennett, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., and, and many others. Back then, I was an aspiring singer. I took singing lessons and sang in recitals. I was 16 years old, and I had auditioned for the Ted Mack Amateur Hour, which would be the equivalent of America's Got Talent. Unfortunately, I was cut after the second round, and later on, I would sing in bars. Vinyl has recently made a huge comeback and is thriving. Some of you may remember the 45 records. These were much smaller than the 33 and a third. There'd be a large hole in the middle of the record. The purpose of the hole was to allow the adapter to be placed in that hole so you could place the record on the shaft on the turntable. 45s had two sides. There'd be an A side and a B side. Unlike the large 33 and a thirds, there was only one side. You may remember all the artists who were on the 45s it was Elvis, Frank Sinatra, and many others. And DJs would rate the record and determine which records most popular at the time. And this is how we developed the top 40. You and your parents may remember 8-track tapes. This was a recording tape in a large plastic case, which you insert into an 8-track player. The player was pretty bulky, so you really couldn't do a lot of traveling with it. So it wasn't the most popular system in the world. But later on, we had cassette tapes. And cassette tapes were wonderful. 
You could put them in a player in your car. You could put them in a player at home. You can put them in your boom uh, boom box. And uh, they really took over the industry for many years. Next came the CD player and the CD. The CD was invented by Sony and Philips organizations, and the commercial distribution was in 1982. They became extremely popular and replaced vinyl as a choice of music lovers all over the world. The disc player was invented in 1982 also by James Russell. Sony and Philips licensed Russell's patent, which allowed them to manufacture the CD players. Computers were developed as far back as the 1800s. Personal computers hit the market in the 1970s. My first computer was a large square box with a monochrome monitor and separate keypad. The printer was a dot matrix printer with a continual feed. It was a workhorse. As you know, the technology has improved over the years. Desktops were produced in the 1970s and laptops through the 1990s. Intel and Motorola and others were responsible for the further development of microprocessors used to advance modern computerization. My first mobile phone was a handheld phone receiver similar to what you would use in the 70s. The receiver was attached to a cord into a battery pack. You would carry the phone in a leather case and weighed about eight pounds, and you would carry it on your shoulder. And let me tell you, my shoulder would hurt after a while. The reception wasn't great, but it got the job done. Sometime in the early 80s, the first cell phones became available on the market. It was a handheld, and it was quite large, had an antenna on it, and worked fairly well. Many calls were dropped. There weren't very many cell towers available at the time. As time went on, we went to flip phones, then came pagers and the BlackBerry for texting. We did not have any of these features in the cell phones of today. They were only good for calling someone and texting. Of course, at the time, finally, cell phones continually improved, and now we have computers in our hands which can do about anything. Let's talk about automobiles in the 50s and 60s. They were death traps. No seat belts, ashtrays were located on the inside doors, and metal dashboards. There was no padding on those dashboards. Airbags were finally installed in in vehicles in the 1970s. Talking about dashboards, I remember sitting in my dad's Buick uh, uh, Roadmaster and pushing in the lighter and placing it on the dashboard and burning in designs on it. I was seven years old at the time. My dad made sure I would never forget. Cars back then were tanks. They were all steel. This was back in the early 50s. Gas was probably 15 cents a gallon. All the cars had bench seats, except for the Corvettes and other sports cars. The bench seats were great in the back seat, but I was too young to know why. Most of the cars had white wall tires. The first installed airbag was in 1971. This was experimental and proved to be successful. Automakers were not required to install airbags at the time, but airbags were installed in most of the luxury cars, and it was an option. It wasn't until 1998 that airbags were required in all automobiles in the United States. Seat belts had a troubled past. 
Nash was the first American automaker to install seatbelts. They were installed in the 1949 Nash automobiles. Most of the customers requested to have them removed. Nash had installed 40,000 seatbelts in their cars that year, and only 1,000 cars still had them after the uh, customers decided they didn't want them. Ford offered them as an option. Only 2% of their new car owners chose to purchase this option. This was in 1956. It wasn't until 1968 belts became required rather, in all automobiles manufactured in the U.S. Way back when, we had mail-order catalogs available. Sears, Pennies, Spiegel's, Macy's, and most large retailers had colorful catalogs where you could order merchandise. These catalogs could be four to six inches thick. You would fill out an order blank, slip in a check, wait two to three weeks to get your order. Sears catalogs were also used for another reason. In the early 1900s, toilet paper had not been invented. Use your imagination. (laughs) Prior to online marketing, you could purchase items over your telephone by calling an 800 number. That's true today, too. And you would do the same thing, just call it in, give me your credit card, and a few days later, you'd get get whatever you're ordering. But online marketing, or excuse me, online ordering has changed the way we shop. Instead of using a phone, you just use your your handheld phone and boom. Amazon's a perfect example. We are in a world where everything has to be done now. We seem to be in a hurry to go nowhere. Our technology is growing so quickly, it is hard to keep up with it. My fear is that we're becoming more technologically advanced and we may have an issue with people searching for positions. But what about the personal side of life? There are grocery stores all over this country that have installed automatic checkout terminals. There is no one to greet you. There is no personality. And most of all, the automatic checkout replaces an employee. I understand companies need to save money and payroll is one of their largest costs, but... To replace employees is just not right. On the other side of this equation is that stores get busy and they need an outlet for customers not having to wait in line to cash out. Unfortunately, this trend is continuing and I am concerned. In the years ahead, we will have less brick and mortar stores than we do now. The only saving grace is that people still like to shop and purchase clothes, high-priced goods, and items not available online. So we'll see what the future brings. I do enjoy technology. I have to. I need technology to produce my podcasts. I just hope we can keep up with people's needs. Well, this is the end of this episode of On The Mark. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have any comments, suggestions about what topics you'd like me to research for you, please let me know. You can contact me at marklevine51 at gmail.com. That's Mark, M-A-R-K, Levine, L-A-V-I-N-E, 90, uh, excuse me, 51 at gmail.com. In the meantime, thank you for listening to On the Mark.